Holy Father in heaven, that hour has come for us to fellowship with you. We ask, Lord, that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and that you would give us this day our daily bread, that we may find strength and help to give us the opportunity to live the life that you want us to live. Edify us with your word, O Lord. Grant us the grace of the Holy Spirit to help us to rightly divide the word of truth, that we may be nourished in our souls with the things that we will hear. I bring myself to you, dear Lord, and I pray, please consecrate me to your service. For the sake of your children, who you want to feed, Lord, make me a vessel by which your children shall be fed with your word. Put your words in my mouth, dear Lord, that we all may partake of this heavenly bread and that you will fill our souls with righteousness as we hunger and test for it. Thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayers and thank you for answering. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Conflict and Courage, May 23 The potential is there. There was not among the children of Israel a goodlier person than he. 1 Samuel chapter 9 verse 2 The personal qualities of the future monarch were such as to gratify that pride of heart which prompted the desire for a king. Of noble and dignified bearing, in the prime of life, comely and tall, he appeared like one born to command. Yet, with these external attractions, Saul was destitute of those higher qualities that constitute true wisdom. He had not in youth learned to control his rash, impetuous passions. He had never felt the renewing power of divine grace. The Lord would not leave Saul to be placed in a position of trust without divine enlightenment. He was to have a new calling, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. The effect was that he was changed into a new man. The Lord gave Saul a new spirit, other thoughts, other aims and desires than he had previously had. This enlightenment with the spiritual knowledge of God, placing him on vantage ground, was to bind his will to the will of Jehovah. Saul had a mind and influence capable of governing a kingdom, if his powers had been submitted to the control of God. But the very endowments that qualified him for doing good could be used by Satan when surrendered to his power and would enable him to exert widespread influence for evil. He could be more sternly vindictive, more injurious and determined in prosecuting his unholy designs than could others because of the superior powers of mind and heart that had been given him of God. Should he trust to his own strength and judgment, Saul would move impulsively and would commit grave errors. But if he would remain humble, 
seeking constantly to be guided by divine wisdom and advancing as the providence of God opened the way, he would be enabled to discharge the duties of his high position with success and honor. Under the influence of divine grace, every good quality would be gaining strength, while evil traits would as steadily lose their power. This is the work which the Lord proposes to do for all who consecrate themselves to Him. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is The Potential is There and it is looking at the appointment of the king, the first king of Israel being Saul. In the book of 1st Samuel chapter 9 we see the introduction of Saul. It says, Now there was a man of Benjamin whose name was Kish the son of Abiel, the son of Zero, the son of Bekorat, the son of Aphia, a Benjamite, a mighty man of power. And he had a son whose name was Saul, a choice young man and a goodly. And there was not among the children of Israel a goodlier person than he. From his shoulders and upward, he was higher than any of the people. So, we already saw in our previous devotions and the other chapters of 1 Samuel 8 that the people of Israel were hell-bent on selecting a king for themselves and in their mind, they were not looking for someone who was converted, someone who was like a prophet like Samuel. They were tired of righteous, holy people. They wanted someone like the world, that's what they said choose us a king like the heathen and what does the heathen do the heathen they select the strongest person to be king for themselves the tallest person the mightiest that's who usually was king do you remember people like the children of anak the, the two sons of anak they were mighty people like giants even the king of jericho giant then there was og of bashan a giant the people who are giants and strongest are usually the rulers among the heathen now the children of israel wanted something like that so when when they were telling god they wanted a king between them and god they understood god understood what they wanted they didn't want people like moses and samuel who are just godly people like you know how moses was raised a rod up and then the people will fight they wanted someone who they could present to the world and when you see him stand then the other people will also fear to come and attack them they felt that the reason the philistines was attacking them was that they didn't have a king who will match them so that to put fear in them like when you see this mighty man standing then they will now realize that okay we are like you too don't think that we don't have strength it is because you will see us as holy holy you see us as people who are just people who worship god trying to live in righteousness that's why you always tread down on us that's why you oppress us but let us show you we also have strength we'll match strength for strength king for king height for height strength and uh, uh, might for might and so god knew that so uh, only he could tell in the whole of israel who the strongest was who the mightiest was and that's why we read here in first samuel 9 verse 1 and 2 that god went to select for them a king the most tallest the strongest among all of them and that's why the bible says there was not 
among the children of Israel, that is in the 12 tribes of Israel, not nobody was a goodlier person than Saul. From his shoulders and upward, he was higher than any of the people. So anybody who was going to get to the uh, as tall as Saul, there was none of them. The, the, the next tallest person after Saul would reach Saul on his shoulders. And you see that his father, like to have said in the book in 1 Samuel 9 verse 1, that his father was a mighty man of power. And Saul was just like that, except that Saul was even taller than his father. So the Lord selected was going to select for them somebody according to their own heart. And it was not a, a person who had tasted of the goodness of God, but according to what they wanted. So the way in which Saul was selected has lessons for us to learn from. The Lord made it to be that as the asses of uh, Saul's father, that is his, um, the animals he was taking care of, his flock, got lost and Saul was sent with one of the servants to go and look for this flock. Three days they had looked for these flocks and they had climbed through Mount Ephraim, they had gone through Shalisha and down through Shalim and to the land of the Benjamites and they had not seen the asses. Three days had gone and Saul said to his servant, let us go back before our father stop worrying about the asses and start worrying about us. And then here is the providence of God. See what happens now. The servant now tells Saul, there is a seer that I know about in this area. Let us go and look for him. And a seer means a prophet. That's what they used to call it, all prophets in that time, seer. So he said, let us go and look. The servant told Saul, let us go and look for him. Saul said, we don't have anything to pay him. And the man said, I have something to pay him, some shekels of silver. We'll pay him and then we'll get an information on where the asses are. And then they started to go to look for Samuel. And they met some, some maidens and asked them, we're looking for the seer. And they said, oh, he's just around the corner go quickly he came to the city today to make a sacrifice and i want to read that part because what these maidens told saul will become very handy in our next devotion so it's an important information for saul it, it, here in first samuel chapter 9 verse 12 he says and they answered him and said he is behold he is before you make haste now for he came today to the city for there is a sacrifice of the people today in the high place as soon as you be coming to the city you shall straightway find him before he go up to the high place to eat for the people will not eat until he come because he doth bless the sacrifice and afterwards they eat that be bidden now therefore go you up for about this time you shall find him. Now, like I said, this information will come into hand in handy in our later devotion. So that's what they told Saul. And Saul went and he did see Samuel. And what Samuel told him was also a very important thing. When Samuel, Samuel himself was already waiting for Saul because the Lord had told him that he was going to see Saul. Reading first Samuel chapter 9 verse 17, it says, And when Samuel saw Saul, the Lord said unto him, Behold the man whom I speak to thee of this time shall reign over my people like i said in first samuel 9 verse 15 it says now the lord had told samuel in his ear a day before saul came saying tomorrow about this time i will send thee a man out of the land of benjamin and thou shalt anoint him to be captain over my people that he may save my people out of the hand of the philistines for i have looked upon my people because their cry is come unto me and when samuel saw saul the lord said unto him behold the man whom i speak to thee of this time shall reign over my people then saul drew near to samuel in the gate and said tell me i pray thee where the seer's house is and samuel answered saul and said i am the seer 
Go up before me unto the high place, for you shall eat with me today and tomorrow, and I will let thee go, and will tell thee all that is in thine heart. As for thine asses that were lost three days ago, set not thy mind on them, for they are found. And on whom is all the desire of Israel? Is it not on thee, and on all thy father's house? And Saul answered and said, Am not I a Benjamite of the smallest of the tribes of Israel, and my family the least of the families of the tribe of Benjamin? Wherefore then speakest thou so to me? And Samuel took Saul and his servants, and brought them into the parlour, and made them sit in the chiefest place among them that were bidden, which were about thirty persons. So Samuel served them, served Saul food, and they ate and slept over, and the next day they were about to leave, and Samuel told the servant of Saul to move ahead while he tells Saul something. So in the book of First Samuel 10, he Samuel then tells Saul what he wants to tell him. Then Samuel took a vial of oil and poured it upon his head and kissed him and said, Is it not because the Lord had anointed thee to be captain over his inheritance? When thou art departed from me today, then thou shalt find two men by Rachel's sepulchre in the border of Benjamin at Zelzah, and they will say unto thee, The asses which thou wentest to, t- to seek are found. And lo, thy father had left care of the asses and sorroweth for you, saying, What shall I do for my son? Then shalt thou go on forward from thence, and thou shalt come to the plain of Tabor, and there shall meet thee three men going up to God to Bethel, one carrying three kids, and another carrying three loaves of bread, and another carrying a bottle of wine. And they will salute thee, and give thee two loaves of the bread, which thou shalt receive of their hands. After that, thou shalt come to the hill of God, where is the garrison of the Philistines. So here is another important information. It says, Thou shalt come to the hill of God, where is the garrison of the Philistines, and it shall come to pass, when thou art come thither to the city, that thou shalt meet a company of prophets coming down from the high place, with a psaltery and a tabret and a pipe and a harp before them, and they shall prophesy. And the Spirit of the Lord will come upon thee, and thou shalt prophesy with them, and shall return into another man. And let it be, when these signs are come unto thee, that thou do as occasion serve thee, for God is with thee. Now, 1 Samuel 10 verse 8 contains another important information that is going to be used later to see Saul's character. In verse 8, here Samuel told Saul, And thou shalt go down before me to Gilgal, and behold, I will come down unto thee to offer burnt offerings and to sacrifice sacrifices of peace offerings. Seven days shalt thou tarry, till I come to thee, and show thee what thou shalt do. And it was so, that when he turned his back, that's when Saul turned his back to go from Samuel, God gave him another heart. And all those signs came to pass that day. And when they came to Tida to the hill, behold, a company of prophets met him, and the Spirit of God came upon him, and he prophesied among them. And it came to pass, when all that knew him before time saw that, behold, he prophesied among the prophets. Then the people said one to another, What is this that is come unto the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? And one of the same place answered and said, But who is their father? Therefore it became a proverb. Is Saul also among the prophets? And when he had made an end of prophesying, he came to the high place. Amen. So 
that is the story that has to do with the appointment of Saul. And from here, you can see some lessons. Firstly, Saul was not a converted person. And that is why it became a proverb when it says, Is Saul also among the prophets? What is this that we are seeing? Saul was a kind of person who everybody knew was not the religious type. So when they saw him prophesying, it was a strange thing. What do we mean by prophesying? He went among the prophets. He was having Bible studies with them. He was, and, and Saul, Samuel had told him that whatever ailed you, don't hold yourself. The spirit of the Lord will take over you. You will have another spirit that Saul was going to be revived. He was going to be converted. The Lord was going to work mightily on him. And this was an important lesson for Saul and for the children of Israel. Because the Lord knew that what they were choosing for themselves was not good, which was Saul just because of his physical attributes the lord knew that he needed a conversion experience and even though saul did not know and saul did not even request for it neither did the children request for it the lord did it nevertheless this is reiterating the lesson that we talked about yesterday that even when somebody makes a wrong decision we shouldn't leave them alone the lord did not leave saul alone like we read in Conflict and Courage, page 149, paragraph 3, says, The Lord will not leave Saul to be placed in a position of trust without divine enlightenment. He was to have a new calling, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. The effect was that he was changed into a new man. The Lord gave Saul a new spirit, other thoughts, other aims and desires than he had previously had. This enlightenment with the spiritual knowledge of God placing him on vantage ground was to bind his will to the will of Jehovah. End of quote. When God calls a man for a work, he changes the heart of that man. It is left for that man to maintain that experience. Saul went through a conversion experience here. The Lord, like we read now, gave him another spirit. And that is why it was a shock to the people that Saul was prophesying of all people. It's just like someone who they knew was ungodly before and then they are seeing him among the prophets like it read in first samuel chapter 10 reading from verse 10 it says and when they came thither to the hill behold a company of prophets and the spirit of god came upon him and he prophesied among them and it came to pass when all that knew him before time saw that behold he prophesied among the prophets then the people said one to another what is this that is come unto the son of kish is saul also among the prophets don't like saying to saul you of all people you among the people that are prophesying and it was a strange thing and some people will say to themselves if saul can prophesy then anything can happen if saul can be among the people who are studying the word of god and is now having a transformed life then nothing is impossible because the lord converted him and it was necessary like i said here we learn the lesson of supporting people even when they are going in a direction that you know is not good for them we saw yesterday in the book of jeremiah 3 verse 14 where the lord said turn no backsliding children for i am married unto you and in isaiah 54 verse 5 god said for thy maker is thine husband the relationship between god's people and himself is the most intimate relationship for in in in, in humanity the most intimate of relationships is the relationship of husband and wife there are other relationships like servant and master parent and child and those relationships are also to their own degree intimate but not as intimate as husband and wife that is the most intimate relationship and we see god how he relates with his wife even when she has made a wrong decision 
he still gives her the things that are necessary so that that decision that has been made that is not good he wants to see how he can still work with it to achieve what he wants to achieve so he wants to see how he can still work with that bad decision and bring out good things out of it this is a wonderful character of god like i said and we should learn in families yesterday we learned the word the lesson of yielding when israel the wife insisted on having something and the husband god insisted no this is the right way to do it and israel insisted and god protested and said no this is the right way israel still insisted and somebody had to yield the lord in his wonderful character yielded why did he yield was it because he knew that it was still going to work out no it wasn't going to work out but in his character of yielding he wanted israel to see for themselves when everything is said and done that their decision was wrong he was ready to suffer it with them he was ready to go through that experience with them and he will suffer along with them but yet at least the lesson will be learned it's a lesson for us in our human relationships but for today god goes further not just yielding but even supporting what was the support he sent his spirit upon Saul. he could have said okay since you have chosen your king for yourself here is your king the goodly man the tall man whom the next tallest person is just to his shoulders the mighty man from a mighty family no problem there you have him you can take it and then he would remove his support but he gave them something they did not even request for he gave this the king his own spirit what other support better could the lord give to the children of israel than that it's a lesson for us in our relationships as friends as brothers and sisters as husband and wife as parents to children and children to parents when you find yourself in this situation where someone has to yield and you have protested and protested let things be leave it so that you can still have the opportunity to be of help to that person and to show that you are not against them then you also sometimes ask questions how's it going and then offer your support to the person that's how the lord was doing with israel they've chosen a king and the lord will say okay let me support you take my spirit work with it let's see how we can do things together let's see how we can work out and he didn't alienate himself from them but he'll ask them how's it going okay you need help here i'll give it to you but the only thing that the lord will not do like we read when samuel was talking to them yesterday he told them if you depart from me i will not support you if you go away from obedience to my law that's when we're going to have a problem this can be applied like i said in various ways reading now from the book adventist homepage 84 to 85 it says every faculty of those who become affected by this contagious disease blind love is brought in subjection to it so when people want to make a decision for marriage for example and they insist i'm going to marry this person and then they finally have their way they get married sometimes they come to a position where they realize that we made a mistake what do you do in such decisions in such situations when you see a mistake has been made do you abandon ship no that's not what to do try to see how things can still work out even though the irreversible decision has been made just like israel made that irreversible decision then god tried to see how things can still work out even though the decision has been made so i'm reading now adventist home page 84 paragraph 3 and down to page 85 paragraph 1 it says every faculty of those who become affected by this contagious disease blind love is brought in subjection to it they seem to be devoid of good sense and their course of action is disgusting to all who behold it with many the crisis of the disease is reached 
in an immature marriage. And when the novelty is past and the bewitching power of lovemaking is over, one or both parties awake to their true situation. They then find themselves ill-mated but united for life. Bound to each other by the most solemn vows, they look with sinking hearts upon the miserable life they must lead. They ought then to make the best of their situation, but many will not do this. They will either prove false to their marriage vows or make the yoke which they persisted in placing upon their own necks so very galling that not a few cowardly put an end to their existence. Wow, suicide. It should henceforth be the life study of both husband and wife how to avoid everything that creates contention and to keep unbroken the marriage vows. End of quote. So here is the situation I was referring to where people marry, they made a decision that was wrong. What do you do after you made a decision that is wrong? Abandon ship? No. When you see that decision is wrong, but it is an irreversible one like that of marriage, don't abandon ship. Try to see how you can make things work out. That was what God did with Israel. He tried to see how he can make things work out, even though later on they realized that they had sinned against God in choosing for themselves a king. The Lord said, no problem, let's work together nevertheless. We'll see how we can work, make things work. That's how we should do. But what do we see? People commit suicide, they divorce and go into other recriminations. They get forced to their marriage vows. They break up or if they, didn't, they don't break up, they start to commit adultery. This should not be. We should have the mind of God. And also, God did not rub it on Israel and say continually to them, you made the wrong decision, you made the wrong decision, and then keep on putting it in their face. No, we shouldn't do that in our relationships. How do you feel when you and someone, maybe you and your spouse or as a child to your parent, you've made a decision and the thing is already settled, it's already gone. And every morning devotion, the matter is being talked about and then they will pray about it in your presence mentioning your name in prayer how do you feel about that that's not how the lord does things let me read now from adventist homepage 119 119 paragraph 2 and 3 it says a counsel to a family that is discordant where they, there's there is no harmony it says to want to the man your spirit is wrong when you take a position you do not weigh the matter well and consider what must be the effect of your maintaining your views and in an independent manner weaving them into your prayers and conversation when you know that your wife does not hold the same views that you do. Instead of respecting the feelings of your wife and kindly avoiding as a gentleman would those subjects upon which you know you differ you have been forward to dwell upon objectionable points and have manifested a persistency in expressing your views regardless of any around you. You have felt that others had no right to see matters differently from yourself. These fruits do not grow on the, upon the Christian tree. My brother, my sister, open the door of the heart to receive Jesus. Invite him into the soul temple help each other to overcome the obstacles which enter the married life of all. You will have a fierce conflict to overcome your adversary, the devil, and if you expect God to help you in this battle, you must both unite in deciding to overcome, to seal your lips against speaking any words of wrong, even if you have to fall upon your knees and cry aloud, Lord, rebuke the adversary of my soul. 
End of quote. So brothers and sisters, here is a lesson for us that we learn from God about his gentlemanly character. You don't weave into your prayers and your conversations those things that you know that you and your wife have disagreed upon vehemently. Those things that you know that you and your child has disagreed upon. You seek for unity. Instead of going in prayers in the morning and evening devotions and then you mention those things that you know that you people don't see eye to eye on. Those views that you know that you people disagree on. Leave them alone. As the Lord had a disagreement with Israel and they chose to have their way, he rather supported them. Rather, instead of making noise over the issue all the time and pushing it in their faces, rubbing it on them even when they've made mistakes and when he sees that their decision has failed, he didn't come to them and say, you see, did I not tell you not to choose a king? The matter of a king ended from here. The Lord instead chose a better king later when Saul failed. He chose David and tried to see how he can work with the new system that they had brought up of using a king. God said no problem. It was a bad system of using a king. But yet the Lord said I'll use it to work. He never any time started to say every time a king failed. He said did I not tell you not to choose a king? He didn't do that. He instead work with them. Don't tell your child, did I not tell you not to choose this wife? Did I not tell you not to choose this husband? Did I not tell you not to go to this course? Did I not tell you this? Did I not try not to do that when you do that you push the person farther away from you and they will not confide in you again and the help you would have offered them you cannot offer again this is not a christian spirit also like we just read directly it shouldn't be something you weave into your prayers and conversations when you know that the matter is a matter of contention and the views that you have with your friend or your child or your husband or your wife is just opposed to your own views so leave it alone that is a godly character remember that we have already stated that the decisions being referred to here does not mean that you should join them in the scene it simply means that if the person has finally decided to go in a particular direction that doesn't mean you should separate yourself from them they may realize their mistake try to see how you can work with them the way the lord still try to work with israel after they sinned in choosing for themselves a king we must have the intelligence to know how to yield to people and even when they have uh, made mistakes whether they have seen the error or not still try and work along with them now another lesson we learn from here is that god orders the events of our lives you see how god was the one who made the asses to get lost so that he can unite saul and samuel together sometimes in our lives when things are happening let us think in our minds what is really going on here maybe you lose your job or like saul something that is your property you lose it and it makes you start to look for it and search for it and search for it like saul was doing or it may not be something you lose just some events delay Three days you are looking for something like Saul or three days you are waiting for something. It's not just going as planned. The Lord has a plan. Let us always have that in mind. All things work together for good to them that love the Lord. The missing asses that Saul's father had was a means by which Saul was brought into communication with Samuel. Also, there are certain things that are unfortunate that happen in our lives that are just a means for the Lord to bring us into contact with certain people or certain experiences that is a stepping stone to the destiny that the Lord has prepared for us. Another lesson that we learn from this story of Saul is that we are not to be discouraged when people reject us because when Saul was finally chosen as king, in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 10, reading from verse 24, and Samuel said to all, to all the people, See ye whom him, see ye him 
whom the Lord had chosen, that there is none like him among all the people. And all the people shouted and said, God save the king. Then Samuel told the people the manner of kingdom and wrote it in a book and laid it up before the Lord. And Samuel sent all the people away, every man to his house. And Saul also went home to Gibeah. And there went with him a band of men whose hearts God had touched. But the children of Belial said, How shall this man save us? And they despised him and brought him no presents, but he held his peace. Here, Saul was rejected by some of the children of Israel, but he was not discouraged. And we also, if God selects us for a work and some people do not credit us or they don't acknowledge us, we should not be discouraged. There were those who didn't accept Saul even though they had evidence of the credentials of his work and knew he was chosen by God. You see, you can't satisfy everyone and it shouldn't be our burden to do this. We should not also get offended with those who do not accept our work or work tirelessly to prove ourselves to them. We shouldn't be people conscious, craving their love and adulation, for this will be a snare to us. The work is not about us and our personal glory, it is about God. So if we are rejected or not accepted, it shouldn't trouble you. You shouldn't now try to see how can I please the people. No. We will see later how Saul handled this rejection. The other lesson we learn from this selection of Saul is that when God chooses a person for a walk, we have to feel our sense of unworthiness and have no confidence in self. We read in Conflict and Courage, page 149, paragraph 5. Should he trust to his own strength and judgment, Saul would move impulsively and would commit grave errors. But if he would remain humble, seeking constantly to be guided by divine wisdom and advancing as the providence of God opened the way, he would be enabled to discharge the duties of his high position with success and honor. End of quote. We learned this lesson when God selected Joshua and also selected uh, uh, Gideon and we saw it especially for Moses, the lesson of self-distrust. We must always remember this lesson. When God sees the potential in us for work, we must remain humble and depend on him and not on ourselves. Self-distrust means to not rely on our own ways and our own plans and our own strategies and our own system, but to lose confidence in our ways and our plans and have confidence in God and seek for the power of the infinite and trust only to his ways and his plans. It does not mean that we reject the work out of self-distrust but rather you are confident, full of confidence not in self but in God and his ways and we rely on him. That's one lesson we should remember. And the final lesson I want to point out is that we learn how to know the people whom God has chosen. You see, when God chooses a man for a work, he will magnify his name before the people and the people will know that God has chosen that person. How? When Saul was chosen, something happened. In the book of 1 Samuel 11, reading from verse 1, it says, Then Nahash the Ammonite came up and encamped against Jabesh Gilead. And all the men of Jabesh said unto Nahash, Make a covenant with us and we will serve thee. And Nahash the Ammonite answered, answered them, On this condition will I make a covenant with you that I may thrust out all your right eyes and lay it for reproach upon all Israel. And the elders of Jabesh said unto him, Give us seven days respite, that we may send messengers unto all the coast of Israel. And then, if there be no man to save us, we will come out unto thee. So these men of Jabesh, which are Israelites, 
were told, give us the right eyes. That's the only way we'll spare you. Nahash and Ammonite said that to them. When so, they were, the, the people of Israel heard it, they were crying. And Saul heard it. When Saul asked, why are people crying? They told him what Nahash said, that he wants to take the right eyes of all the people of Jabesh before he can make a league and covenant with them. Then, in 11 verse 6, 1 Samuel 11 verse 6, the Bible says, And the Spirit of God came upon Saul when he heard those tidings, and his anger was kindled greatly. And then the Lord led him. He went to fight with the people of uh, the Ammonites, that is Nahash. It says in 1 Samuel chapter 11 from verse 10, it says, Therefore the men of Jabesh said, Tomorrow we will come out unto you, and you shall do with us all that seemeth good unto you. And it was so on the morrow that Saul put the people in three companies, and they came into the midst of the host in the morning watch, and slew the Ammonites until the heat of the day. And it came to pass that they which remained were scattered, so that two of them were not left together. The Lord gave Saul the victory. Now, after this, the people gathered together again, and then made Saul king the second time. First Samuel 11, reading from verse 12, says, And the people said unto Samuel, who is he that said, Saul, Saul, shall Saul reign over us? Bring the men that we may put them to death. And Saul said, There shall not a man be put to death this day. For today the Lord had wrought salvation in Israel. Then said Samuel to the people, Come, and let us go to Gilgal, and renew the kingdom there. And all the people went to Gilgal, and there made Saul king before the Lord in Gilgal. And they sacrificed sacrifices of peace offerings before the Lord, and there Saul and all the men of Israel rejoiced greatly. Amen. So, God magnified Saul before the people by making his battle successful. Now, for a second time, he was confirmed king so that the people will respect him. Do you remember Pharaoh? Pharaoh knew that Joseph was best for the work because God also magnified Joseph before the mind of Pharaoh to interpret that dream. And so it was with Daniel. Daniel interpreting the dream in Babylon for King Nebuchadnezzar. God magnified Daniel and God and, and Nebuchadnezzar knew that Daniel is to be the person who would be prime minister and he selected him. This was the same between Moses and the people. God magnified Moses before the eyes of the people. They didn't need to select him with their mouth. They just knew that this man is our leader even though nobody told them anything. Just by the things that were done, so was it with Joshua. Joshua was specifically told, I am going to magnify your name before the people. And Joshua was told what to do. When Joshua told the people what to do and they got to Jordan, the river Jordan parted before the people and they knew that the Lord was really with Joshua. The lesson is there for us. Even when you want to select a spouse for yourself, the Lord, one of the ways the Lord will help you know that person is he will magnify the name of that person before your eyes. And how he will do that, I do not know. I'm not specifying that. But somehow, there will be things that you will see in the person like the people saw in uh, Joshua when he parted the Red Sea. They knew this is our leader. And same with Moses, the ten plagues and many mighty signs. I cannot list all of them. And then it was with Joseph, it was with Daniel, and it was even with Eleazar. The Lord magnified Rebekah before Eleazar's eyes. When she did that thing she did in feeding the ten camels of Eleazar, her, her name was magnified before Eleazar so that he knew that this is the person. So that's a way of knowing who the Lord has chosen. But chiefly, the lesson I want us to remember in this study is what we said earlier concerning human relationships that we are to learn how to work with people as the Lord works with us in a gentle, manly fashion, not rubbing it in, 
working and supporting even when you know that people may have made a wrong decision that is irreversible it's not in all wrong decisions i'm not saying that when people have sinned no even when they have made this irreversible decision the lord still told them but if you forsake me i will also forsake you even though you have changed the system you have seen no problem it's irreversible let's go on i'll see how i can still work things out and we've also seen the lesson of having self-distrust when god chooses us for a walk and also we've seen the lesson of feeling our unworthiness and how god orders events in life so that we should not be worried when things are not going the way we wanted them want, want them to and um, not being discouraged when people do not acknowledge us for the work that we are doing uh, i hope that these lessons will fill our souls today and help us in our walk with god let us pray holy father in heaven thank you lord for speaking to us today i pray lord that these words shall help us in our journey to better relate with you and with our fellow human beings that we may grow in the knowledge of christ jesus our lord lord consecrate us to your service help us lord that even when you select us for a walk that we shall be submissive to your will and you shall consecrate us helping us to be converted just like you did for saul even when we don't know our need lord please supply our needs for us as you gave saul of your spirit though he didn't ask lord please give us the things that we need even though we do not know them thank you lord for hearing and answering our prayers in jesus name i've prayed amen